you for joining me on episode 12 on the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular girl, trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Jesus Christ. Today, women's pastor Rose Rodriguez shares her story of infertility. It is one of pain, heartache, But even in the midst of pain, God met Rose and her husband where they were. So if you are struggling with infertility today, I hope the story encourages you and inspires you. Welcome back to the podcast of Unique on Purpose, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am Rachel Jenneman. Thanks for being back. And today I have uh, a dear friend of mine, Rose Rodriguez. So Rose... Thank you so much for being here. We've known each other, what, eight years now? I I think think something like that. And what's funny is you have the last name Rodriguez. So Mm -hmm. I just made an assumption that you are 100% like Latina, but you're not. Like, tell me, (laughs) tell me here. Well, I... Go ahead. You're half Greek. Oh my gosh. So I would consider myself a cultural chameleon. I am a person who can blend into any culture. A funny story. Um, my mother is full German, and we are from the east side of the state. Mm-hmm. And we, um, my mom met my dad, and he's adopted. He is adopted by a Chinese lady and a white guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. there's Chinese. In oh there? yeah, there is. <gasps> oh wow. <laughs> so yep, they raised my dad, and they raised him in on the east side of the state. My parents met each other. I guess I grew up kind of Midwestern. Okay lifestyle Mm -hmm. and um when we moved to the west michigan area i didn't know that i had any latina background that wasn't raised that way and coming into a primarily diverse community i actually just assimilated into the culture Mm -hmm. and i have many uh, latino friends and so kind of i'm kind of a mix of everything like a cultural chameleon i love how you put that well rose is a wife she's a mom she's also a women's pastor at her church in holland michigan and you just recently got a new position i mean you're still a woman's pastor but you also have another job so tell me about that real quick yes so i very recently have a new position i work for holland christian schools and so excited to work in the administrative offices and um, God's just doing awesome things there. So I'm glad to be a part of that. And she's also a blogger, is a preacher, but we're not going to talk about your blogging or your preaching or women's pastoring today. You have a deep story and and on this podcast, we talk a lot about just overcoming and finding victory. We live in a culture that celebrates victimhood that celebrates finding our identity and whatever victim the world says that there is right now. But you're you're an overcomer. You have taken your your tragedies and you have made something beautiful out of that. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about a painful subject called infertility. And so, Rose, can you just share a little bit? I mean, start with the beginning, maybe where you met your husband and then go forth on that. Well, as I just said, I am from the east side of the state. My parents moved to West Michigan. And when I was about 11, I was blessed to be in youth group. And there was this 19-year-old guy up at the front and quite a bit older than me, of course. And he would always stand up in the middle of youth rallies and he would always just declare the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to my young self, I want to be with somebody like that. Somebody who stands up in a crowd and just declares the goodness of God. 
And so fast forward many years, because he didn't notice me, of course. <laughs> and uh, We want to put an emphasis on yes. many years later. <laughs> My father would not let that happen. <laughs> and years later, um, he came back from college. I had grown up and we became really fast friends. And then we naturally, our friendship grew into love and we started dating each other. And it just was a natural progression. Like mm-hmm. Mike has always been in my life. He has always been just a very good friend. And then as a husband, we've been married 23 years in October. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he is just a wonderful man. He is from Chicago. So his Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> you gotta get the accent in there. Chicago. I, I still can't do it. We just went down there recently and I, I can't do his accent. But he, when he came back, his accent came right, came right back. Nice. He is half Polish and half Puerto Rican. Okay. So, so that's where the Rodriguez comes from. Yes. That's where the Rodriguez comes from. And we just are... Uh, compilation of many nations but <laughs> if you get to know us we are just whatever you know we're who god says we are right yeah. and we're his beloved so we got married in 98 it's funny because we both come from pretty big families and mm-hmm. you know having kids was never an issue right it was never a problem so we thought okay. meaning like no like it's automatic we're gonna have kids we're gonna have kids we come from big families and that's just what you do okay yeah it okay. was an almost an expectation it's even joked about even at our wedding reception people made jokes about how many kids you're gonna have right yeah. so it was not like something we thought oh this is gonna be an issue for us fast forward six months later we're like okay we want to try for a baby and no baby no baby no baby months and months okay well i'm not even sure what to do at this point i'm you know i'll go see my doctor mm-hmm. see what's 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 up so i went to see my doctor and how old are you at this point oh gosh i was 22 so obviously like a very fertile age yeah yeah you're thinking yeah. there's yeah okay. there's no problem here you right. know this yeah. is, shouldn't be a, an issue mm-hmm. and so um went to see my doctor and they did a couple of tests and they said, did anybody ever test you for any kind of, I don't know, just medical concerns, like as far as, you know, infertility? No. I mean, how would I know that? I mean, I had bad. Why would you? Right. Well, I used to have really bad cramps, but I didn't think, I thought that was normal. Okay. I would spend days that I wouldn't go to school or whatever, or they would just make me feel terrible, but I I would never associate it with it. So I went to have some tests and they found that I was born with a medical abnormality. This is um, very rare, but I was born with what's called a bicornate uterus. So that means I was only born with half of a uterus. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they actually were like, we don't think you're ever going to be able to carry a baby because of the way that your body is. Because this, because of the size of the uterus itself? Like there's no way that you could carry a baby no. full term? And Okay. Wow. No. They, they said it's just physically impossible. And on top of that, I also had grape size like tumors. Inside oh. of the same area because I actually had endometriosis. I had stage three endometriosis. So it was pretty bad and it was pretty painful. And they were shocked at how I could just keep doing life, how I was doing it and not be like a disability or something. But they said, OK, let's put you through some infertility treatments. 
we had three rounds of infertility treatments and they were not well, fun. Well, hold on. What did the doctors did? I mean, the doctors know that you were looking at infertility. Did they did they discourage you from that because your uterus is abnormally smaller? They they said that they could, but they said there's more of a chance of a miscarriage. Oh, okay. Um, so that I had to be aware of the risks. And okay. we were aware of the risks going into it. But going forward so now we're married i don't know a couple of years now and nothing and every month that you go through infertility hurts Mm. every month that you get your period hurts Mm -hmm. every time there's a conversation every holiday Mm -hmm. not just mother's day but every holiday is a reminder what you don't have and i i never want to forget that feeling i never want to forget how how much that hurts. I have a picture of us at Christmas time and I have my head leaned on my husband and I'm crying again. And I think one of my sisters took it mm-hmm. and I'm glad she took that picture. I'm glad that she um, really just captured that moment of how hurt I was to be in that place. And only Mike and I knew the pain that we were in. Mm. And just to be able to capture that moment and say, this was a time where God met us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And going through what we went through, we went through three separate treatments. How long of, how, how do they space that out? Oh goodness. So you can space it out as much to many as you want to, as many as you can afford. But for us, we started it probably like the third year and we did it three times between the third year and like the eighth year. So three times in between that. Okay. It was eight, eight and a half years of every month. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many months that's in there, but it's yeah, hard. I'm not a math person. I'm, I'm not a math person either. <laughs> I'm like, somebody else could probably come out with that number. I cannot. Um, but. And, I, but every month feels like a lifetime. Every month really felt does. like a lifetime. Yeah. It really does. And especially when you're putting out so much money and time Mm. and your heart, right? And it's physically exhausting. If anybody out there has ever gone through infertility and the treatment plans, you know, it's heart wrenching. You know, it it's painful almost. And you have to make a lot of hard decisions. I don't even I'm not even fully aware of how the fertility process works. Mm So you you get the fertility process and then what you just wait a few weeks to see if the eggs took Mm -hmm. and and then. If they don't take, then you then you have to do it all over again. All over again. Yeah. Okay. And it depends on what kind you choose, you know, the, what kind of process you choose and how much you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And so we did what we could do. And I remember driving home from the last one and saying, Mike, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done with this. I, it's just going to be you and me. It's just going to be you and me because I can't I can't keep going through this. This is too much. This is too much. Mm-hmm. On our relationship, on me as a person, did did you did you question God like every time? Mm-hmm. Did you just say, God, why did you allow us to spend this much money? Why did you allow us to go through this process? If you were, I mean, were those the thoughts going through your mind? I, somewhat along those lines. Sometimes it wouldn't seem fair, mm-hmm. like if we had to go to another baby shower yeah. of somebody who wasn't in a married, committed relationship, mm-hmm. and it would be like God. Wait a minute. We're doing everything, yes. quote unquote, right. Yeah. We're like following after you. We're doing what you called us to do. Why aren't you blessing us? Like, 
Jacob wrestling and saying, you need to bless me, God. And like, you are blessed, right? But you need to bless me the way I want to be blessed. Mm. And like, just wrestling with that with God, you know? And I think for us, I remember going home in that car ride and just saying, I'm done with this. I don't want any more of this. And then I don't know how far it was from that conversation to there was a time that I heard the Holy Spirit speak so clearly, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I remember him saying that to me very, very clearly. Mm -hmm. And we found out within maybe two weeks that we had conceived naturally. Naturally, not from the not fertility. Not from anything else. Okay. Not from anything else. Mm-hmm. And I remember not feeling good. Actually, back it up. We had a prophetic <laughs> lady in our church, mm-hmm. and she kept coming around me, and she kept telling me, you're going to have a baby. And I kept going, go away. Get us behind me. I say- don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people giving me prophecy yeah. because I don't want to hear it anymore because it hurts when you tell me these things. Yeah. You know, you don't tell people to marry and, and marry yes. and all those things yes. prophetic. There's certain things you don't tell you people do. prophetically. <laughs> baby is one of them. Baby is one of them. But she kept coming around me. She was even in... Uh, it shows how old I am, a blockbuster at the time. I'm like, Mike, go back in the car. Go back in the car. She's coming for us. <laughs> but I remember being in church that Sunday and she came up to me. She says, you're pregnant. <gasps> and I didn't even know yet, but something was, I could tell something was different. Mm-hmm. She says, you're pregnant. And I was like, whoa. We went to the doctor's office and we, I, I got an ultra. Back it up again. I'm sorry. I'm getting old. (laughs) I wasn't feeling good. And I said, Mike, let's go to the hospital. But before we went there, some reason we had to go to Myers. And there was a couple there that we just respected in our church. And they are a Mike and Rose, too, which is hilarious. And I hope they listen to this later. I really (laughs) do. But they were in the church in Myers for that reason, for that reason, for some reason. And we said, we don't know what's going on. But will you pray for us? I remember sitting next to the tomatoes. We're going to. <laughs> Jesus right, is coming to the grocery store. <laughs> Holy Spirit's coming down He's in the He's in the Myers. <laughs> well, he does that a lot, right? And we were standing there next to the tomatoes. And we said, we are about on our way to the emergency room. Something is wrong. We're pregnant. We know we're pregnant. But you hadn't taken a test? Oh, or, I, t- I oh, taken you, a test. I taken a, a test. test. Okay. I knew I was pregnant, but I knew something was wrong. So like within two or three weeks of that. Okay. okay we hadn't told anybody. Something is wrong. We're going to the emergency room. Would you pray for us? I remember we those people called down heaven for us there. Mm. And I went to the emergency room and was there for hours. And they did an ultrasound. And I remember my husband saying, look, I can see something. I can see something. And they're like, I can't see anything. The, even the radiologist, I can't see anything. We went back in the room and the doctor said... You yeah, you're pregnant, but it's probably a molar a molar pregnancy, which means like it'll pass. Mm-hmm. Like it's not real. So just go home and wait for it to pass. Now me, I'm a researcher. If you know me, you yeah. know I'm a researcher. And I remember distinctly walking out to the car of the emergency room, trying to hold back tears, going, God, how can I get this far and like still deal with this? And I remember him saying to me clear as day that don't even go look up the term what molar pregnancy is because I wanted to research it. Yeah. Don't even look it up because I've already blessed you. Mm. I've already blessed you. Mm-hmm. Now go home and rest. Mm. 
And so I went and I did that. Didn't look up the, really wanted to look it up. Did not look it up. And decided the next day to go with our, um, to go to our doctor. And the radiologist there, she's looking at the screen and she's doing the ultrasound. And she goes, I see seven tumors inside of you. Seven. Half a uterus. And I see a baby. And I said, what's your name? I'm looking at her like I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> what's your name? And she said her name. I said, that's our promise from God. I pointed to the screen. That's our promise from God. And that woman began to weep in her room. She said, Rose, you don't understand. I've gone through infertility. My children are now in their teen years. I'm struggling right now with them. And you just reminded me of how good God is mm. and his faithfulness and how much we prayed for those ones. And I remember going through those first months of pregnancy were awesome. They were beautiful. <laughs> they were like, everybody's like, Rose, you're glowing. Yeah. And then I remember sitting in church and I started to bleed. Mm. And I was like, God, not again. I can't have this. And so we drove back down to Holland Hospital again. <laughs> we back, drove back down there. And they said, look, you are... You are having way too many issues. Mm-hmm. You are going to have to, you're going to have to just, you might lose this baby. Were they telling you to, or asking you to terminate or were, or hinting at it? They were not asking me to terminate. They were saying, you better prepare yourself to have to a miscarriage okay. in the second trimester. I was like, okay, I'm going to just take it easy. I'm not going to push myself. But then I went to work and at 21 weeks, I started bleeding so bad that I was con- having contractions. Mm. They said, we're going to take you to Spectrum, to the neonatal unit, and you're going to deliver your baby. So they took me there. So what's going through your mind at this point? Oh, my gosh. I am being taken 75 miles an hour backwards to Grand Rapids with this stuff that stops contractions and running through my veins mm-hmm. going, God. You promised, you said, yeah. and I'm holding on to these promises. Mm-hmm. And so I'm there in that room, and what I call him is Dr. Death comes in the room. <laughs> Literally, he's got his pamphlets, his pamphlets, like what to do when, <sighs> what to do when you lose your child. Yeah. And I looked at him and said, get out of my room. My child shall live and not die, declare the works of the Lord. I remember screaming at that man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going, what just happened? He probably did, because I did not care. Give her more drugs. She's crazy. I'm to say, you, she's really high right now. Um, maybe we should sedate her. <laughs> and, and it's so funny, because I had morphine going through my body at the time. Mm-hmm. I was hurting so bad. But lit, my, my, <laughs> my child, we called her Wiggles at the time. Uh, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, was doing fine. We would have so many ultrasounds, and, and the baby was fine. The baby was great, mm-hmm. but it was me. My body was fighting itself. Okay. And they looked at me and said, Rose, you're going to have to go home, and you're going on bed rest. I can't be on bed rest. I have a job. I have a full-time job. I have a great job. I have a job with benefits. <laughs> you don't understand how hard I work for this job. You don't understand this, the, the issues in my life that I need. My work is my identity. I have mm. to go to church. That's my identity of who I am in that building. Mm-hmm. 
No, you're supposed to go home and you live in a tri-level house. So guess what? You're going to live in your parents' house. (laughs) Your parents are going to graciously set up a bed for you in their dining room, outside their bedroom. (laughs) And you're going to lay there for 16 weeks. You're going to lay there. Your husband works down the street from your your parents' house so he can get back and forth from work. But you're going to lay there. Mm-hmm. And that's all you're going to do. And so I laid there. So wait, they took 16 weeks. So they took the option off the table of you're going to miss Carrie because she was doing so well. No, that was always on the table. Oh, that was always on the table. They just wanted you to have that bed rest yes, just in case. Just in case. And they kept saying, y- you're going to deliver. You're going to deliver, deliver in this time. You're going to deliver in this time. And I thank God I had two spirit filled doctors, my my doctor for the child and the doctor for me. They were both spirit-filled men of God, and they both were like, they shut the door. I remember them shutting the door, and they said, like, can we pray with you? Mm. And they just laid down prayer, because they were like, something about you, you two as a couple, and this baby, we know is God. We know. We can't, we can't describe it medically. Like, we're looking for answers. We can't describe it medically how this is happening. Mm-hmm. So 16 weeks goes by. And I kept saying, I'm going to have my baby on May 25. They said, no, May 8. I said, May 25 is when I'm having that baby. And I remember May 25 is when my husband wheeled me, took me into the hospital, wheeled me through the wheelchair. And 9 o'clock in the morning, I had a cesarean because there was no other way to have have her come out because Mm -hmm. of everything inside of me. And I was blessed with a beautiful daughter. And her name is Lydia Rose. And my husband decided to change her name from Lydia Joy to Lydia Rose because of the things he saw me go through. He did that while I was knocked out, too, by the way. <laughs> so he changed her middle name without you knowing? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Michael. I love you not so that, much. Not that you're bitter or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're good. It's it's humbling. It's humbling. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that was not the end of the story, though. But hold on. Did you know that she was... Did you go in and have an ultrasound, like, through... I mean... Were you, even though you were on bed rest, did you constantly go back into the hospital to have ultrasounds? And You know, most people only have an ultrasound maybe three times at the most during okay. a pregnancy. I was having ultrasounds every week or two weeks. Like, that was my excitement to go out of the house. Yeah. To go up, to go to the bathroom, take a shower, and then to go to the doctor's office. <laughs> like, that's how I would get out of the house. And if you know me, like, I am a social butterfly. I have to, like, go somewhere during the day. Right. And I lived for the doctor's appointments. So I was getting, I have tons of pictures of, of my daughter throughout her time in utero because I have like a photo album of her. Uh, but that was kind of cool. And that was, gave yeah. me hope, right? Yeah. That gave me hope. Mm-hmm. So we were blessed with her. She was perfect. Mm-hmm. She's perfect. Yeah. She's absolutely perfect. And how old is she now? <laughs> she is 15 and a half. Mm-hmm. She is a bright spot in the world. Mm -hmm. She is meant for great things. And I see the enemy fight to tell her things that aren't true. Yeah. Because he tried to fight her even before she came here. Mm -hmm. And I always tell her that. Yeah. Like the enemy, it was never infertility. If you want to know something about infertility, it's never about you. It's about who God wants on the earth Mm. and when he wants them here. And when I stopped thinking it was about me wanting a baby 
and more about who this person is and how they're going to impact the world. That's good. That's what I want for my daughter. Mm -hmm. That's how I see her life. She is going to go far. She's going to go places that me and Mike have never gone. Mm -hmm. She's going to impact people for the kingdom. And that's what it's about. That's who we are. That's, that's who we're created to be. It's not about us. And, And, If we're truly living a life that follows after Christ, that's what we're going to want for our children, that they do more than we did. Yes. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So there's there's more to the story if okay. you care to yes, hear. Yes, yes, I do. I just interrupted you. But yes, tell me more to the story. It's okay. So, like... I have this baby, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been married, what, nine years about that time? And we thought, okay, we had a baby. We can have more babies. Yeah. We did this. I was terrible but we can you watch the words here it was terrible but i can do this again i'm willing to sacrifice right i know what i know what it cost Mm -hmm. nothing did you try right away i mean no we waited a little bit okay but like nothing no miscarriage nothing Mm -hmm. god did you really just send lydia Mm -hmm. did you really just open that window of time for us to have one child. Did you do that in your sovereignty? Mm-hmm. Wow. First of all, wow. And then about her being about a year and a half old, I started to have really bad pain again. Mm-hmm. They usually say that pregnancy makes endometriosis go away. Uh-uh. Me, I got worse. Okay. It got terrible worse. Worse where I was spending 15 days of the month flopped on the floor like my legs couldn't work. I had sciatica raging down my legs. I would go to work and smile and then collapse in my office. I would like look at jobs when I was transitioning a job. And I remember looking under the desk to see if I could find a space so I could lay down under the desk wow. on my breaks because so, I hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. When it gets to that way, you're like, what's the matter with this picture? Mm-hmm. you're accommodating pain in your life. So I went back to the doctor and they said, let's do another surgery to remove all those tumors. Oh, cause the tumor stayed. You tumor still stayed. had those in there. Tumors did, stayed. Were they growing? Were they? They, some of them did. Some of them, some of them stayed the same way. Okay. So they took them out, had surgery, took them out. Okay. Got a different doctor about a year or two later. Cause it was still painful. Mm-hmm. And she was like, whoa, I've never seen anyone like you before. Like she actually, I'm in it. I'm in a textbook. Really? <laughs> I'm in a textbook, unfortunately. And she's like, we're going to do another surgery. I said, I need to keep my uterus. You don't understand. I need to have, <laughs> more, need babies. To have more babies. This is what I'm going to do. This is me. I deserve more babies mm-hmm. because I'm a great mom. And it's about me, remember? Because I didn't learn my lesson before. (laughs) (laughs) And so we did another surgery. And I don't know. I don't know what I should share here or not share. But basically, they removed some more parts of of my body to accommodate so I wouldn't be in pain so much. Mm -hmm. But still, I was in a lot of pain. So did they end up doing a hysterectomy? Well, that's the thing. They kept offering it to me and I kept saying no because I wanted to have another baby. I was angry at God. I was angry. Mm -hmm. I was angry. I didn't understand why just one. 
Right. Is this a tease? What is this? Mm. You gave us two names. You gave us a girl name and a boy name. Wait a minute. Where's, you know, and where's the son that I've been asking for, God? Where is he? Yeah. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I remember being in that room after this, well, what's one, two, three, third surgery. Okay, Rose, it's time. It's time. It's time for you to give things up. And what I say, how I share this, my story with, is that I handed God the blueprint. I handed God the blueprint of my life and said, Lord, I have a plan. I have a way that I think things should go. But right now, this plan is killing me. Mm. Literally, it's killing me. Yeah. And I want your way. I want the best way. And I don't get your way at all. Your way, <laughs> sometimes to me, it stinks. It doesn't make sense because I'm a planner and I want things to go a certain way. And he's like, no, just trust me, daughter. Mm-hmm. Hold my hand through this. See what I do in this. Mm-hmm. And so I had it scheduled to have my, my I, I said, okay, I'll do a hysterectomy, full hysterectomy. 36 years old. Wow, 36. So young. 36 years old. Had it scheduled in, I think, January or February. I can't remember. No, February. And that Christmas, I didn't feel good, but I thought, ah, Christmas time, we eat all kinds of funny food, right? Yeah. All kinds of funny food. Uh, Usually food we don't normally eat, culturally different food. My husband's family, my family, different food, right? I don't feel too good. January rolls around. I'm at work. I had had fries or something. And all of a sudden, I can't move. Take me to the hospital. Rose, you have to have (laughs) an emergency gallbladder surgery. You have to have your gallbladder removed. Wait, no, wait. I am, no, I had already taken off time for my hysterectomy. I cannot afford to take off more time. Yeah. I can't do that. Can't do that. I have a plan. I should just stop it right now. I just, just stop. No more plans. And God says, I accept that challenge. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I had to tell my boss, look, I have to have this surgery. It's an emergency. And then four weeks later, I have to have another surgery that's going to take me out even longer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I worked at a great place. Let's just do this. So I had my surgery, my gallbladder surgery. And then four weeks later, I had my hysterectomy. The surgery was supposed to be two hours laparoscopic mm-hmm. ended up being four hours my doctor said to me rose the endometriosis had so fused everything to your spine oh my god that within five years you would have <gasps> had cancer oh wow this could have potentially killed you and because i couldn't see what was happening inside and nothing was seen on all the because i kept having ultrasounds all the time nothing was seen it took them going and looking at it and taking everything out to say, this actually could have killed you. Mm-hmm. This is worst case scenario, but your plan, your way of wanting things your way could have actually killed you. Yeah. And I know that I know from that day on, yes, it put me into menopause, which eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is. You yeah. know, I was just a little bit earlier than other ladies. <laughs> And you planned, but it's it's what it is, you know. And we laugh about it, whatever. It helps me to relate to more women. I think. Yes. <laughs> you gotta th- you gotta see the positive on things. Otherwise, you know, life. What's life worth living for? Yeah. But you know, I'm gonna read a verse. This is like my life's verse, and it's Proverbs sixteen nine. And I love l- reading out of the Amplified because it makes 
more words. And I like more <laughs> words, as you can tell. It says, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And the Amplified says it this way. He not only directs your steps, and he makes them sure. A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. I see my Heavenly Father like that. Mm-hmm. I see him like that. And I'm not saying I've got this down. I mean, goodness. I mean, you're a great friend of mine. You know my stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we all have our tendencies. I mean, planning is a great thing. I'm an administrator by nature. I like mm-hmm. to plan things. Mm-hmm. But when they go off in another direction of God's best, and even when you think this should be God's best. This should be what it's supposed to look like. This is what the trajectory of my life is. And that's kind of like the testimony of my life is, is things that people or expectations or even others or myself that I put on myself, God says, no, I have a better way. Yeah. I have a better way. Mm-hmm. And if you just take my hand and if you just follow me this way, it might hurt some days. It might really suck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like that word, but it, it, it does. Yeah. But just take my hand through this and I'll carry you through these seasons. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see yourself as a victim and say, you know what? Woe is me. And I'm the only one. That's no, I'm sorry. No, no. Mm-hmm. There are much, many people in this world who have it way worse. Yeah. But just saying, God, I trust you through this. Mm-hmm. I trust you through this. Yeah. So Lydia's 15 and a half now. Yes. And she's now how, because you said something interesting. You said it wasn't just Mother's Day Mm. that was hard. It was Mm. all holidays. So Mm -hmm. tell me about the holidays prior to Lydia. Mm -hmm. What was it that, that just really wrenched your heart? What was it that made it hard? Mm -hmm. There was a Mother's Day in particular that comes to my mind right away. Mm -hmm. So I'll share that. (laughs) Pastors, please stop doing baby dedications on Mother's Day. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's hard. That's like take a knife and just twist it. Like yeah. that's hard. And I remember going in the ladies' restroom in the middle of service while the, the dedication was happening and just going in one of the stalls and just just sobbing, just crying my guts out. It just hurt. It just hurt to be there. I wanted to just run from the building. And I remember one of my pastor's wives and another pastor coming in the room and they got me out of the stall and they sat me in a chair and gave me some water and they're like, Rose, it's going to be okay. God has something good for you. God has a perfect plan for you. And they didn't say thus says the Lord or anything like that. Yeah. But it was so loving. It was so good of them. And what's funny is one of them is my daughter's godmother and the other one has gone to be with Jesus. But she is the one who prayed over Lydia as a baby and just blessed her. Mm -hmm. Things like that, I remember. I remember in those moments, not just necessarily the bad things, but the things of God being there in the midst. Of God saying, I see you, Rose. I'm not leaving you like this. Mm -hmm. But you have to choose to come with me. Mm, Yeah. Now that you're a mom physically, because I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible teaches that we're all called to be mothers, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, we're, we're either called to be either or we're called to be both. And, and because the Bible talks about 
raising up the next generation. God has called us as an older women. No, really. And when I say older, I mean, cause we're not older, but we're older than somebody. All of us are older than somebody. Right. And so we're all called to help raise up the next generation. We're called to be mother figures. You've preached on mother's day. I've preached on a mother's day. What advice would you give to any pastor that preaches on mother's day to how, cause that is, it's, I find Mother's Day, and when this airs, it's not going to be anywhere near Mother's Day, so it's funny that we're talking about Mother's Day, but I find that women show up to a Mother's Day service in two different camps. Either they are so excited to be there because it's about them. You know, this is the day, this is the Sunday that's about me as the female And then you have the other camp that says, why am I even here? I lost, this is my first Mother's Day without my mother, or I, I am, uh, having fertility issues. I had a miscarriage, you know, so there's, there's those two different camps. What would you say to the pastor or the pastor's wife that speaks on Mother's Day, how they can be like more inclusive for all women on that day? Mm, That's a good question. I've had the privilege of speaking twice on Mother's Day at my church, and I don't take that lightly. I think both times, and especially this last time, I talked about being an influencer, that a mother is the greatest influencer in her child's life. I think the biggest thing that a pastor can do is be real and acknowledge. Acknowledge that sometimes... There are moms out there who are very idealistic, like Mother's Day should go this way. I deserve all of the things on Mother's Day, and you kids are not even helping me keep my sanity before I go to church. (laughs) Like, y'all people are crazy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But acknowledging, like, Mother's Day has this expectation on it of flowers and candy and everything, but maybe it's not. Maybe it has pain involved. Maybe it has hurt involved. But that doesn't give any less recognition to the woman in the pew who might be worn out, might be tired, but deserves some, hey, at a girl. Mm-hmm. You got this girl. Mm-hmm. God has a greatness for you mm-hmm. as a mom. Mm-hmm. And you're not just a mom, that there are so many things that you're doing for your child just by being yourself, by being the woman of God that he's called you to be, that they watch that aren't necessarily in your words, but they're in who you are, how dedicated you are as a woman of God, that that's your foundation. Your identity is not just found in in your title mom. Do you think that that's one of the huge struggles with women who struggle with infertility or even one who Mm -hmm. is in the midst of motherhood, that that's where they place identity, that if I don't have a child mm-hmm. and I'm not a mother, mm-hmm. then who am I? Mm-hmm. Or if I have five kids and I'm drowning in diapers and this is who I am and it, I'm miserable. Do you think that there's a lot of women out there that seek motherhood as an identity? Definitely. Definitely. I know I did. Mm-hmm. I know I still sometimes do. But I have to know that my greatest... My greatest calling is to be a child of God. Amen. Yeah. My greatest calling is to be walk after as a woman of God. Mm-hmm. That not only is my own daughter watching this, but there are other, like you said, there are other women, there are other people watching this. And not just because they're watching, but because of who I am, right? Yeah. To walk is with integrity, what you do when no one else is looking, right? Mm-hmm. And just to um, to be that. I think that if we speak into more ladies' lives of who they are in Christ, that they'll they'll grow into it. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of times in, in the women's ministry that I'm blessed to lead, I can see a woman sitting across from me and call out things in her life she doesn't even see about herself yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's spiritual mothering. Yeah. It's to call things out in your children, to call things out in those, if you don't have children, in those that are in your life and to say, God has more for you. God has a plan for your life. Mm-hmm. Let me lead you to him, not to me, but to him. And he's the one who's going to unveil those plans. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I'll walk beside you. I know I don't have it all together because moms think we have to have it all together, but we don't. And that's why we put ourselves down when everything goes cray cray. And you're just like, I can't keep it all together. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage a pastor to be real and just to say, hey, nobody has it all together. Mm-hmm. Nobody has it all together. We're all journeying, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What would you say, because we need to wrap it sure. up here. You and I could go on for hours because <laughs> it's just what you and I do. But what would you say to the mom who's listening right now who is struggling with infertility or a woman who's not a mother and is wanting to have a baby and it's just not happening? What would you say to that woman right now? I was just thinking about myself at that age and who spoke into my life and what they said. And if I could sit down with somebody who's struggling with that, I would say, I know it hurts. Mm -hmm. I know it hurts. And don't let anybody discount your pain. Don't let anybody say, well, you should be happy that you have Dun, 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 this free time or whatever, blah, 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 or you already, extra oh, money. The, or <laughs> I had a miscarriage like 13 years ago, uh-huh. and that was probably the worst uh-huh. thing. Well, at least you have one. Yeah. That was the worst. Don't make snide comments <laughs> <Right>. because <laughs> I think sometimes we make stupid comments to try to make ourselves feel better or more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Don't say those things to people. Acknowledge that, you know what, hun? I love you. I see that you're hurting. I'm going to sit next to you. I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to encourage you to get back up. What is God calling you to right now? Yeah. Who are the young women in your life right now that you can impact? Because they're watching you. Yeah. Who can you mother right now? Right. If you're like in your 20s right now, even in your 40s right now, and you think your time has passed, but you still feel a promise from God. Who are you pouring into right now? Mm-hmm. Because this time is going to pass by. This time is going to go by. Jesus is coming soon. Mm-hmm. And whether it's your own children from your physical body or it's somebody else in front of you, how are you loving people closer to Jesus? Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing what God's called us to do. Yeah. Have your time. Mm-hmm. Cry. Find a close friend. And I think that that is important right there yes. because I think there oftentimes I know for me, I'm one of those people where I will hide what I'm feeling, not because I don't want to be real or transparent, but because I'm too afraid of being overdramatic mm. and it's okay to have the friend mm-hmm. that, Hey, if I need to, because I'm, I'm leading somewhere or I, I can't, I, my job doesn't allow me to break down in the middle of rush hour or whatever it is. I need that friend that I can go to and break down to. And it's okay to have that, mm-hmm. you know, but that friend should also be somebody who leads you closer to God. Yes. Amen. Watch that. Mm-hmm. Watch your friends. Watch who your circle. Watch mm-hmm. your circle. Watch your tribe. Because those people should be saying, okay, girl, wipe your eyes. Let's get back up. There's more to do. Mm-hmm. There's more for you 
Mm-hmm. There's more for you. Don't think God has forgotten you if you're going through infertility in the middle of this pain, in the middle of what you're going through. Don't don't feel like God has left you because he's placed you here for a reason. He's placed you here in this plant in time to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think what's important, too, is to when we're going through that tragedy, it is okay to cry. Mm-hmm. It is okay. Yep. It is okay to be angry with God. Yeah. You know, you said you were angry with God. Well, God can handle that. God can handle being angry, but what we can't forget to do is even in the midst of our anger is we still need to worship and praise God. When we praise God through those storms, we're taking that step and saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I know that you understand. I don't know what you're doing, but I know, I trust that you know what you're doing. Even Jesus on the cross shouted out why. Yeah. But what did he do exactly next? surrendered Mm. he surrendered his will yeah he surrendered so if you think you're above jesus (laughs) and can't ask why and can't shout out why is this happening to me if you feel like you can't do that come on girl yeah come on (laughs) you can do that and Mm. i've done that many a times from many a bathroom floor god i don't understand Mm -hmm. god i don't get this yeah but i'm a fighter I'm an overcomer. Yeah. And greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. And God has more. Oh, has girl. More. You could preach all day. <laughs> I got you preaching. <laughs> well, Rosa, thank you so much. We're going to wrap that up. Um, and I just thank you for being here. And just, I was crying. So I don't know if anybody could hear me doing the, in the, <laughs> in the background where Rosa's talking. But if you're crying right now, you're allowed to. It's okay. It's a, if, if you're struggling with that, uh, very same tragedy. You're allowed to go to a friend and cry. You're allowed to scream out to Jesus, but also put your trust and hope in him and you can, you're an overcomer. So thank you, Rose. Thank you. It was so great having you join Rose and I for that conversation on the Unique On Purpose podcast. If you are struggling with infertility today, grab a cup of coffee and a friend. You should not walk this journey alone. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. Remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved because of Christ. You have been made worthy. Join me next week as we talk with my friend Parker about his adoption.